Welcome to the Cyber Rants Podcast, where we're all about sharing the forbidden secrets and slightly embellished truths of corporate cybersecurity programs. We're ranting, we're raving, and we're telling you the stuff that nobody talks about in their fancy marketing materials, all to help you protect your company from cybersecurity criminals. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Rotondo, Zach Fuller, and Lauro Chavez. Hello, and welcome to the Cyber Rants Podcast. This is your co-host, Zach Fuller, joined by Mike Rotondo, Laura Chavez, and our uh, guest today, Ed Escobedo. Uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the news? What's going on in cyber today? Oh, there's a lot going on this week. Um, start out with the top of this. 4.83 million DDoS attacks took place in the first half of 2020, which is a 15% increase. Uh, people are taking advantage of the you know COVID lockdowns, basically. Um, Another exciting thing to find out is that vulnerability in wireless router chipsets is prompting advisories. This is Qualcomm, MediaTek, and Realtek chipsets. Basically, there's an authentication bypass vulnerability that's out there now. Um, Microsoft XP leak would be less of an issue if it didn't if so many didn't use it. The source code is online. Apparently, it still has a large user base, and um, cyber criminals are using that code base to go ahead and develop new exploits for it. Why anybody's using Microsoft XP now, I don't know, but apparently they are. Um, new tactic from, the new old tactic from hackers is basically they're, they're setting up front companies to disguise their hacking, and, bar, and which is basically an old camouflage tactic. So they're setting up a company like XYZ Insurance Company, sending out email, duping who they can, and uh, taking the cash and then folding the company later. Um, there's a new ransomware out there called Egregor, and basically what their thing is is that they release the data. If you don't pay, they release all your data, uh, some kind of mass media mass media release. Um, nice of them. Um, the FBI is warning you could spoil your working-from-home escape plan. Apparently what's happening is a lot of people tired of looking at the same four walls of their office, den, bedroom, wherever they happen to be working, are uh, escaping to hotels to work remotely. The problem is hotel security, wireless security is not all that good, never intended to be you know, office grade, and so it's being exploited. Um, from the truly scary and creepy, uh, kids' smartwatches can secretly take pics, record audio, or command on command by encrypted text. Apparently the brand of Chinese... Smartwatch called Explora, which is has a back door that was apparently deliberately put in there so that it can receive an SMS to kind of check out the kids' surroundings, take pictures, and record conversations that are around. And another note, a hack group cl- groups chain VPN and Windows bugs to attack U.S. government networks. Basically, it's an additional uh, zero login and uh, a weakness in Fortinet, which is allowing them to exploit that. From the, we haven't talked about it in a while, but it's something we need to continually aware of. Uh, CISA is, is urging utilities to increase protections and warns of potential attacks from China. It's again, you know, attacks on the grid, uh, the power grid, and that sort of thing is, is ramping back up. Kind of good news, man, with a good news. New ransomware vaccine, actually, vaccine kills programs wiping Windows shadow volumes. It's called we're seeing, and basically what it does is when it sees the uh, ransomware trying to kill the shadow volumes, it kills the ransomware. So, and with that, I'll go ahead and pass on to Laurel for his vulnerabilities. Thanks, Mike. Well, appreciate the information. I guess now I need to update my Windows XP. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Someday I've got to take uh, I got to take my website off of that that DMZ XP server. Anyway, well, you know, I so, is still you know a workhorse. Yeah, yeah, it is. Hey, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of Microsoft's greatest achievements. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're if you're running Oracle database this week, and it, you know, in general, I'm sure it's going to happen again. But if you're running Oracle database 18, Charlie, there's some critical patches you need to be aware of that uh, include some command injection and remote code execution. So those 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 are fairly serious. So if you're running an Oracle 18, Charlie, let me sure update that. Um, Fedora. Got a few things uh, included this week for Samba. If you're running Samba on top of Fedora, there's a couple command injection uh, weaknesses in, in, in this version. So make sure you update your Samba framework on Fedora. And then OpenSUSE, again, uh, security updates for the DP, DPDK packages. So if you've got those uh, up and operational, make sure you're, you're running those updates. So again, Microsoft stayed the list again this week. That's two weeks in a row. Uh, my money's on. They'll be on the list for a five next week. And that's it. That's all I got. Zach? All right. Thank you, Laro and Mike. Um, today, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have a special guest, Ed Escobedo. For those of you who don't know, recently joined the Silent Sector team as our chief strategy officer. So it's a real pleasure to have him, work with him. And, and Ed brings just a, a deep, deep uh, base of knowledge with him and experience and, and it, uh, through a lot of different companies, held executive roles uh, like the um, head of, of uh, technology risk management for PayPal. He's CIO of Apollo Education Group. He's been VP uh, in various forms for multiple companies like Charles Schwab and, and DHL. Uh, so a tremendous amount of experience, really has a great lens um, at the, the executive level of cybersecurity for large organizations. And so it's, a, it's absolutely a pleasure to have him. And Ed, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Zach. It's good to be here. Great, great. Well, Ed, what else would you tell us about your background? I mean, I gave the high-level overview, but any anything in particular you want to share? Any highlights? Um, don't be afraid to brag a little bit here. Sure. Well, l- let me start with how I got started in the industry. So I, I got started back in the late '70s when I uh, joined the Air Force out of high school, and uh, ended up getting a job uh, in the Air Force as a computer operations. Uh, MOS. And so um, that, that launched my career and I ended up out of the Air Force uh, becoming what I thought was like the best job you could ever have in technology, which was an MVS systems programmer back on the days when mainframes were the hot ticket item for computing. And, uh, you know, just a couple of things that we did back in the early 80s as an MVS systems programmer is we had a thing called, I mean, security and business continuity and disaster recovery were, were a key part of what we did back in the 80s. I mean, a couple of examples is if anybody knows anything about ZOS, MVS, there was a security product that I installed back in the early 80s called ACF2, which had Kerberos security and you know, did a lot to restrict access for critical accounts. And the other thing I remember doing back you know, a long time ago, uh, back in the 80s, was our disaster recovery plan was mag tapes, you know, where we would take backups of disk drives across the mainframe complex, put them in our car, drive to a cold site, load them on a tape drive, restore those tapes, and make sure we brought up the operating system to test our environment. So, I mean, that's how far back my experience goes, well before, you know, the current way of thinking about security and cyber and uh, risk management. Uh, and then you mentioned, uh, Michael mentioned uh, Win- Windows XP. I remember back uh, one of the roles I had at Schwab after I 
uh, moved to California from the East Coast. You know, I remember fondly <laughs> dealing with Windows XP as a desktop. I ran desktops for our call centers back in the day at Schwab. And I think we had 10,000 desktops, you know, using where we had Windows XP was the endpoint, but we had a product called, I think it was SMS, Microsoft SMS, where we had to distribute patching to vulnerabilities. I remember doing like two or three nights of full-time nonstop work to patch Windows XP devices. Uh, just trying to find those on our network was problematic and having to go through and, and get those systems patched back in the day, you know, 15, 20 years ago was, was hard to do. And it's interesting to find that people are still running Windows XP today. So I uh, very much, uh, very much resonate with the idea that those things will need to be patched because we had trouble back in the day patching them. And it's interesting to see the people are still running those systems. So the most recent role I had was running technology risk management. I think a large part of what I did with PayPal is helping our senior leadership on the first line of defense understand the importance and the context means to have a mature operational shop that that has operational excellence and processes around risk management and security uh, best practices. And so I kind of felt I had two roles there at PayPal most recently. Uh, one was I felt like I was the general counsel for all things risk management, so helping protect the CTO and his leadership team on other things that relate to, you know, how, how do we make sure that we're translating the expectations from external auditors to ensure that we're appropriately applying best practices within our operations to support uh, the things that would come our way from, from external auditors, internal auditors, and second line of defense. And then the other role that I played there, uh, which I think, uh, because I, I ran technology at Apollo Education Group, which was a large online university, University of Phoenix, I felt like the other role that I had, the other hat that I wore, and the other role that I played was that of educator and helping uh, all of our IT operational folks uh, basically understand the various nuance of security risk management. Um, I, I think one of the things I realized is. Um, it's, it's, it's in some ways it's the language of risk management and security is, you know, is kind of a niche language, right? People, they talk about things uh, that, that are hard to understand. And so helping people understand how important these things are were, were clearly the role that I played and what I'm hoping to do with silent sector with the clients that we have. That's great. Appreciate you sharing um, what, you know, I, with all that uh, large corporation experience, what made you, make the switch to uh, to more of a boutique firm dealing in, in primarily in mid-market and emerging companies? I worked at some of the greatest companies in the world. Charles Schwab, I had a long career there. PayPal is one of the largest fintech companies in the world. DHL, I think we had 300,000 employees because we were part of the global Deutsche Post World Net uh, ecosystem. And then obviously running Apollo Education Group, which was at the time at 500,000 students, online students, and uh, was a significant player and disruptor to the industry. Um, so I, I've, I've spent, you know, my 40-year career, all of it in large companies. Uh, and I've had some of my best friends in my personal life have been entrepreneurs. And I've always admired sort of their tenacity with, 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 with what it means to be an entrepreneur. And, I've, and we, I, I always just talk to them about the, just in terms of the personal relationships and the things that they did to sort of help grow their business and and they all have had really successful businesses. And so I've always admired it from, from the outside. And, um, you know, as I was transitioning from PayPal, I, I realized that, you know, I've never done that before. I've never worked at a small company. I've never 
you know, learn the skills of what it means to, to help grow a company from, uh, from a certain size to a larger size and what it means to serve, um, to serve a market. Um, I've always been, and this is, I think, the training from Schwab, focused on customer first. Uh, Schwab taught me that, you know, as I grew my career there. You know, PayPal obviously reinforced that with the focus that we had on customers and their mission. Uh, and so I thought, well, this, this, this could make sense. And let me, let, me, let me give my energy and efforts to this venture and see how we can help grow the business. Uh, the mid-market, mid obviously, is something that, that, because I'm a big company guy, sort of bringing that perspective to companies that are growing and need to build maturity and process to, to support their growth. I think, I, you know, I kind of have a unique vantage point to that. Uh, and with CEOs and CIOs and CISOs as they're trying to establish best practices around uh, around how to mature their capabilities. So I felt it was a good fit and, um, you know, I'm excited about the opportunity. The other thing I'll say is, um, you know, when, when I asked uh, asked you all, Zach, Mike, and Laro, you know, what your mission was, uh, you know, the idea of protecting uh, companies and protecting the U.S. economy, uh, I think to me resonated at having been a veteran with the Air Force you know, many years ago. And so that that mission resonated with me as well. And then, um, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, most of us are veterans and minorities, I think, also resonated with me having my personal back, background and story being both veteran and, and uh, Hispanic. So those are the reasons. We're glad to have you. You know, that's that's um, something we really uh, we don't take lightly. You know, these mid-market and emerging companies are absolutely the backbone of the American economy and our way of life. I mean, without, without them, uh, we would, we would not, uh, be, you know, blessed to live like we do in, in the United States. And, um, so we, we, uh, absolutely have to protect them because they're under attack or under, underserved and under attack, um, constantly. Um, they're just, it's hard for them to find good options and support. There's everybody's quick to sell them tools and products, but there's not a lot of hands-on, you know, boots on the ground expertise uh, for them to work with out there. So um, it's it's great to be able to bring that large corporate experience um, to those organizations. Of course, Mike and Laura also have backgrounds in, in working with large corporate within large corporate environments. So we can take and and understand, you know, what's what works, what doesn't, where there's uh, traditionally a lot of waste, um, and where where resources should be put. And um, and really bring best practices into these organizations. So, where are you seeing, you know, throughout your career, at, at least you know over the last ten years or so? I mean, where do most companies struggle with their cyber risk management? Where what what are the kind of the the big factors or the big problems that you've run into? You know, I, th I think it's just sort of an understanding of the importance of cybersecurity and risk management as a practice that's critical to both revenue and sort of core business operations. I mean, when I was the CIO at Apollo Education Group, I mean, I knew enough. I've always been a like an IT infrastructure guy, data center guy, you know, big mainframe guy running uh, operations for large companies and did a lot of work on uh, desktop collaboration back at Schwab. But I always knew that obviously you needed to have a like a, somebody that paid attention to security. And, and so I ended up hiring a person and knew enough to build a SOC and the importance of that and, you know, putting eyes on glass to monitor our network. But that's kind of, I just, all right, let me take care of it. Let me, let me turn it over to you. It's sort of your baby to, to drive. And I used to have to represent the security uh, progress, the program to the risk oversight committee, which was connected to the board of directors. 
And so I, I knew that I had to make pay attention to it, but I never really understood the importance of it. Um, when I went to PayPal, I worked for the CISO there and had a global role running uh, a large uh, security practice for him for, that faced after the business. And one of the things I learned at PayPal is that, as I said earlier, is that people don't quite understand the, the terminology and the importance and the expectations. And so a lot of what I found at PayPal is helping uh, practitioners that are, they all, they, they all want to do the right thing, but, you know, prioritizing, you know, when you've got so many things on your plate, the, the importance of best practices around vulnerability management, uh, access management, configuration management, asset management, you know, making sure that those are integral into how you run your operations. And, and in some ways, you know, a way to differentiate companies from the rest of the competitors that are in their space. You know, I found that that was something that, that, that I saw at PayPal and, and we did a lot of work helping people understand the importance of things and putting in processes and dashboards to help put a spotlight on that. But I, I, I suspect that many companies uh, that are not practitioners, that are not, uh, you know, SMEs and sort of from the academic lens of security, uh, cybersecurity and risk management just don't quite have an awareness of, of what it means. And, and so I feel like part of the opportunity that I have with um, the silent sector is to help sort of translate <laughs> and, and help. All right, let me just put it in language that a CIO or a CEO or a CFO can understand, and, you know, why, why you have to pay attention to these things, because eventually, you know, um, the, this could come back to bite you. So just to me, it's the role of translator and helping people have the context and the business understanding and business context to sort of help prioritize the things that need to be put in place, uh, consistent with other things that are going on in the operations to support growth and uh, protecting their assets. Yeah, translation is critical because uh, you know without without the right resources and budgets, uh, it's very hard for security practitioners to get anything done. So. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that a lot of times we see these organizations that, um, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Right. And so they'll just, just, uh, uh, you know, won't, won't put the time and attention in at the executive level to really truly understand what the risk management means to their organization, the, the benefits it brings and, and, and how it supports longevity. And so, um, it's critical, critical area to be in. I think there's not enough translation going on out there. Um, otherwise, we'd probably have far fewer cyber attacks happening. Uh, so what do you hope to see in the cybersecurity industry moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, so I, I kind of view this chapter of my career, I'm in the top of the first inning, you know, just there's NLCS. I was watching the game last night. Or <laughs> So I've got a baseball metaphor here, man, sort of just at the very top of the first inning. And, and I kind of view this as a long journey, a nine inning game. And so it's just getting started, but I'm really excited about the opportunity to serve the clients that are currently in the, in the book of silent sector. And then also growing our, our portfolio to include other clients you know, particularly uh, those that, you know, are looking that, that are in highly regulated areas like healthcare and financial services and fintech, you know, where you have to basically build um, the foundation and the, and the core capabilities to serve clients. So, you know, I'm just really excited about, um, about really just serving clients at the end of the day, just being a servant to, to CEOs, CIOs, CISOs, and CFOs to help establish that capability. And you mentioned veterans and minorities earlier. Um, yeah, I know you have some some plans, some ideas uh, to really use cybersecurity as an opportunity for for young people that uh, don't have a lot of options. Tell tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I never would have thought back growing up in, in uh, the middle part of California in Fresno that, that I would have a career in technology that spanned, you know, multiple decades and that I would just feel so blessed with the opportunity that I had to be in technology. And cybersecurity has been a part of my career. And so the idea that, that we could help close the skills gap with uh, those that are living in disadvantaged communities and let's say South Phoenix and, and giving young people, men and women, people of color, you know, and everybody that has the energy, the opportunity to sort of get into the career that for me has been just a blessing to, 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 to feel like uh, my life was turned around. I think to me is such an important uh, personal mission of mine. Um, You know, one example of that is been asked to serve on the Arizona tech council support with pipeline AZ to sort of help close the skill gaps for, those that are going to school and and uh, have an aspiration to get into cybersecurity and how we connect them to jobs in the state and so you know I'm excited about that uh, serving on their advisory council and so those are the kinds of things that I just personally have paid attention to in my career and then are, I'm going to continue to do that and obviously as we grow silent sector the opportunity to to bring in uh, and mentor and apprentice to bring in apprentices that can help and help them understand what it means to be a cybersecurity professional is something I'm excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've we've already had a couple um, a couple students work with us on various projects, and uh, that just you know they were absolute rock stars, and you know ready to get going and growing in their career, and and so it's a lot of fun. And um, we certainly need more security practitioners in this country. Um, so it's great, great opportunity, winning, winning opportunity for everybody, I think. So, well, thank you so much, Ed, for joining us today. Thank you, Mike and Lauro, uh, for your insight and, uh, we will wrap it up and see you on the next show. Pick up your copy of the Cyber Ants book on Amazon today. And if you're looking to take your cybersecurity program to the next level, visit us online at www.silentsector.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Cyber Rants Podcast.